the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The point is this, that there are times when God will override all rhyme and reason. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I entitled this message, Abraham Believed. Have you ever felt the Lord actually speak something to your own heart inside? Sometimes it's hard to discern the Lord's voice. Why? Because we have so many distractions around us today. So many things that can dull our spiritual hearing. For we are surrounded by noise, are we not? Lots of people in L.A., 4 million people in the city. We've got music, social media, movies, things to do, people to see, places to go, emails to return. As another day passes by, we can miss out on even having any connection with the Lord. We live in a gotta-have-it-now society and culture. We have fast food, express lanes, fast tracks. Yet when it comes to hearing the still small voice of God, it's not always the fastest nor the loudest thing that we're going to hear. It comes many times when you least expect it. And it's usually, again, a very still, small, and quiet voice. Yet for those who have an ear to hear, you will always hear the voice of the Lord. I remember when me and my wife moved back to Southern California after being away and living in Washington, D.C. area for eight and a half years there starting a church. And I remember when once we got back to Riverside and back to Harvest Christian Fellowship, which was our church, and we were sitting there, and this was about 25 years ago. Pastor Greg Laurie came out, and they were going into a time of communion, and he called up what was in the newest pastor on staff. He's a good friend of mine. He's actually taught one of our midweek studies here before at Core Church. His name is Pastor Rick Schutte. As I watched him come up to pray for communion as the newest pastor on staff at Harvest, at that very moment, which I wasn't expecting at all, I felt the Lord speak to my heart, and he said this to me, you will be the next pastor on staff here. And I thought to myself, really? How could that be? 
You know, for I had been gone for eight and a half years to the East Coast. And I'm like the new kid on the block here at Harvest. It's like when me and my wife left, we came back after eight and a half years. It's like nobody knew us. And we were just kind of lost in this big mega church. It's like, how could that even happen? Plus, you know, with all of that said, it's like when I had a meeting with Pastor Greg, when we first came back, he told me in a five-minute meeting, he told me three times, I'm not hiring you. It's like, hi, Pastor Greg, I'm not hiring you. He denies it to this day, but he did. He told me three times, I am not hiring you. But yet, that's what happened. You know, it was only a few months later that Pastor Greg hired me. And I became the next pastor on staff, just like God had whispered into my ear on that morning, having communion when Pastor Rick Schutte was introduced. So what's my point? The point is this, that there are times when God will override all rhyme and reason. It's when God's plan and purpose for our lives will simply come to pass in spite of everything else, regardless of time, regardless of whatever season you're in, regardless of whatever circumstances are surrounding us like COVID-19. Who cares? God says, my plans will always come to pass. And that's a fact of life. So really, the big question here is, do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is capable of working out his plan to work out his purpose in your life? Is he able to accomplish his will in our lives regardless of what's going on, regardless, again, of our circumstances? Well, today, as we continue in our study through the book of Genesis, we will see how Abraham not only embraced God's will in his life, but he also truly believed what God said was going to happen. He just believed it. Well, if God said it, therefore, it will happen. That's what he believed. Well, we left off last time with a dispute between Abraham's herdsmen and his nephew Lot's herdsmen over the grazing land of their animals. As you remember, Lot, his nephew, came with him when God called him out of the land of the Chaldeans. Okay, so there is a dispute here, and we're told that he gave his nephew Lot, you know, the pick of the land. He says, hey, Lot, we, we got to separate here. If you want to go to the north, I'll go to the south. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. Yeah, I'll let you pick whatever you want. And this spoiled brat, little Lot, said he picked Sodom, the land of Sodom. Now, we were told there in Genesis that Sodom was like the garden of the Lord. So at this point in time, it was a beautifully well-watered garden. Yet we're also told that the men of that city were exceedingly wicked. Yet after Lot followed the lust of his own flesh, as he again totally disregarded asking his elder Abraham if it would be okay if he took the best of the land. No, he just took it. But the Lord, right after that happened, even though he gave the best of the land to Lot, God took Abraham up to a mountain. And he said, look, it doesn't really matter what you, quote, gave to Lot, because I have a message for you, God said. He says, I'm giving you everything. That's right. As far as your eyes can see, to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, I give everything to you. 
as far as your eyes can see. Now, as we pick up where we left off, we'll consider three points here today in light of our title, Abraham Believed. Number one, a relative taken. Yes, little spoiled brat Lot got into some problems when the conquering kings came in, and he was actually captured. And I had Uncle Abraham had to come to the rescue. Number two, we're going to look at a great reward. There's always a great reward when you serve the Lord. It's always. And number three, a promise made. When God makes promises, understand this, he keeps his promises. God will never tell you something that won't come to pass because when he makes a promise, he keeps a promise. Well, let's look at our first point here, a relative taken. Chapter 14 starts with multiple kings banding together against the king of Sodom, the very place that Lot, Abraham's nephew, had moved to. Well, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah went out to battle, and they were greatly outmatched, and they quickly fled for their lives. Well, let's pick up and read what happened next. So let's pick up in Genesis chapter 14. We'll start reading in verse 10. It says, Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and they fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. Verse 11. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, this is the other kings, and all their food supply, and they departed. They also took Lot. Abraham's nephew and his possessions and departed for he was living in Sodom. Then a fugitive came and told Abraham the Hebrew. Now he was living in the Oaks of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eshcol, the brother of uh, Aner. And these were allies with Abram. Verse 14, when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out of his trained men born in his house, 318, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against him by night, and he and his servants. And he defeated them and pursued them as far as Hobah, uh, which is north of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and he also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. Okay, wow. Uncle Abraham to the rescue. Yes. So Lot was captured with all of his family and all of his possessions. And now with Uncle Abraham being empowered by the hand of God, he came to the rescue. Abraham was able to now defeat this mighty army. And he returned all the prisoners along with all their stolen property with just this small little band of men. He did it all. How? He did it by the hand of God, and God directed him. And Abraham was not just a man to gloat about this and pat himself on the back, you know, or do anything like that, or somehow try to steal the glory from the Lord. Abraham simply and quietly moved out by faith, and he delivered his nephew Lot. Now, This is just crazy. I mean, think about it. Think about how crazy this victory is. The same army that conquered the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah are now caught in the middle of the night. They're caught off guard. They're caught unprepared as Abraham and only 318 men attacked them and the Lord has his hand on them. The army probably thought, well, gee, it's nighttime. There are probably way more men than we thought are actually here. 
You know, this is kind of like what happened with Gideon. Remember, God reduced Gideon's army down. See, Gideon got a whole army together because the Midianites were attacking them. There was 135,000 Midianites. So he gets this army together of 25,000 Israelites. 25,000. So God come to him, came to Gideon and said, hey, you know, your army's too big. He goes, yeah, I know. The other army is huge. It's a 135,000 people. We got to all kill like five people each just to even this thing out. No, 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 no. Not their army. Your army is too big. Gideon's like, what do you mean? He goes, you got to thin this army down. So he tells his men, he goes, you go tell your men, whoever's fearful and afraid, go home. So Gideon says, whoever's fearful and afraid, go home. And like, I don't know, half the army left. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you know, we, don't want, we didn't come here to die. We're out of here. So they left. So then God comes back to Gideon again and says, hey, uh, I got a problem, Gideon. What's that? Your army's too big. No, Lord, we, right now we got to kill like 12 people each. No, it's not too big. He goes, no, your army's too big. God whittled his army down to 300 men. And those 300 men, through the power of God, He's like wiped out the 135,000 Midianites. In fact, his army didn't really do anything. They just stood up on a hill and yelled and broke pots. Okay, that's all they did. And God put confusion in the army of the enemy, and they all killed each other. You know, that's the best way to go. You know, you don't even have to pull out your sword, you know. So God did a great and a mighty work through Gideon. See, now, when God allows that kind of radical thing to happen, you know what the cool thing is? Nobody gets the glory but the Lord. Who can take credit for such a miracle, Gideon? No, I don't think so. It's the Lord. That's why God raises up normal people, people without the big redound and the big name, because he's able to do something. And then when it's done, people say, how in the world did that happen? Well, it was through the Lord. It was the Lord only. Like when a guy and his wife moves down to Los Angeles and starts a church, and they end up with a building on the busiest north and south street of all of L.A. next to the 10 freeway a half mile south of Beverly Hills. How does that happen? How do you buy a building here in this prime real estate? Because God made it happen. See, God did it. See, no one else can take any credit because me and my wife moved here with empty pockets. Okay, and they're still pretty empty. Okay, but it's it's like the Lord did it. He made it happen. God is so gracious. He gets all the glory, all the glory and the honor. Yes, you know, people can't say I did it. I made it happen because it was the Lord. Well, not only does Abraham return all the people that were taken captive, but he also returns all of the stolen goods. Nothing was without its place. And when the king of Sodom tried to reward Abraham, Abraham simply would not take anything from him. He wouldn't take anything. Now, why is that? Well, let's read here in chapter 14, picking up in verse 22. It says this, I'll just read it out of my notes here. It says, and Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord, the most high possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours for fear that you would say, I have made Abraham rich. I don't want anyone giving you credit. You know, when God sees a blessing in my life, I want to be able to say, that was the Lord. 
I remember I was asking actually Pastor Greg if he would help us in, uh, you know, uh, building out this building, you know, because when we actually bought it, you know, we didn't have a penny left. Okay, when we actually bought this building, someone had came on the day of escrow and they had given us, we were short $260,000 on that morning. Someone gave us 260000 So we bought the building and I remember like, praise Jesus. And then all of a sudden reality hit a few days later when it was like, we only have $4,000 left in our bank account. We couldn't make payroll for the staff here. So I can't pay the staff. We doubled our rent. Our rent was 16500 at the little building that we were renting over there by Sony Studio. And then this was going to be just principal only was 21500 So our rent went to forty grand a month. And I'm like, we can't afford $40,000 a month. What was I thinking? How in the world did we buy this thing? And it was just like, oh my goodness, it was so, everything was so overwhelming. And that day, that day, I went to the post office. I got this whole stack of mail. And I remember the very thing, the, there was a letter on the, on the top of the stack. I'm sitting in the parking lot of the post office, and I opened it up, and it was a check, a donation in the mail for $500. And I'm thinking to myself, Normally, $500 comes in the mail. You're like, woo-hoo-hoo, you know, and everything. But I just remember, wait a minute. We need so much money right now. We had a $1.8 million build-out we had to do, $40,000 a month. We have no money for payroll. I just, I, I remember looking at it like, that's nice. <laughs> and, and I set it down because I was so overwhelmed. And then I looked and there was another letter. Hey, Pastor Steve, I heard you got that building. I was in your high school ministry 10 years ago. Out at Harvest, here's $150. And I put that down. Then another check came from a guy in Newport Beach. Hey, I heard you got that building. Here's $1,000. A couple that we knew from back east that I was sharing about the building some three months before that, him and his wife sent us a check for $10,000. And I just, all of a sudden, this pile is going down like this, and I've got a pile of checks going up like this. And there'll be people, a guy from Burbank, 50 bucks. His name was Varus. I still remember his name. A lady south of here, Amy, she sent us $70. And I I just remember, you know, I'm putting these checks and I'm putting these checks and then I get to the last check at the bottom of the pile and it was a check from just a a regular private individual and there was no return address on the envelope and on the check it had a black marker through the name so I couldn't see who it was from. But I seen how much it was for, $100,000. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. So from the beginning of that pile of mail to the bottom, there was $130,000. I went from like, woe is me to rise up and build, baby. <laughs> it's like, it's a, yeah. but that whole process, and I have to tell you, it all started because the Holy Spirit of God gave me a gift of faith. And I can tell you where the gift of faith to buy this building came from. It was a, just a one morning, I think it was a Tuesday or something. Just a, I was sitting at the dining room table. And I'm like, how are we going to buy this building? This is crazy. How are we even, even talking about this? Where are we going to come up with this money? And I was just all overwhelmed. And my wife walks up to the table looking at her husband, who's a, a mess, sweating bullets. And she goes, well, if we can believe God for this... Why can't we believe him for this? And I'm like, bingo. Yes. Absolutely. And that's when it happened. It was like that that shot of faith. And it came from my wife just speaking something so basic. If God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, if he's the creator of everything made, how is anything too difficult for him? Well, obviously it's not.
And some would say, well, what's wrong with taking some of the reward money? Because, you know, here the king of Sodom's trying to hook up Abraham with a little extra cash for, for delivering them. Well, in some cases, there's nothing wrong with taking. There's times that people will give me an honorarium. I might do a wedding and they'll give me an honorarium and what have you. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, but if there's anything that can happen will, where it will steal the glory from God, then no, we don't want that. See, and I remember at one point when I was asking Pastor Greg to help us build the building out, you know, it's like he never ended up uh, giving us anything because he was going to, but it it just kind of slipped his mind. You know, it's not like he doesn't have a few busy things in his mind doing harvest crusades all over the world. But I'm so glad now that nothing ever came you know, our way, because then maybe someone could say, well, you know, they got that building because harvest chunked in a bunch of money or something like that. No, that never happened. Oh, it was all my daddy. It was all my Abba. It was all our Lord Jesus that provided everything. And so no one can take any glory for this, but the Lord only. And that's what Abraham wanted here. He says, no, I only want the glory to go to the Lord for all that he had. But notice, if we go back a couple verses, let's read what it says in verse 18 there. Because all of a sudden, something different. He's not taking any money from the king of Sodom and Gomorrah. But it says here in verse 18, and Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high and he blessed him. He blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham gave him a 10th of all. So that's weird. What happened here? And so it's like Abraham wouldn't take anything from the king of Sodom. And we know how wicked Sodom and Gomorrah was. He didn't want any of that money. Yet he took everything offered by Melchizedek. Now, again, who is this Melchizedek? His name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. We're told he's a priest of God most high. He's from Salem. Salem means peace. This is the first time peace is mentioned in the Bible. Well, at a minimum, Melchizedek is a picture of Jesus because Jesus is the king of righteousness, along with being the king of peace. Psalm 110 connects the picture here of Jesus being our high priest forever, as was Melchizedek. For we are told in the book of Hebrews this. Let me read it to you in Hebrews chapter 7, picking up in verse 1. It says, for this Melchizedek, going all the way back here to chapter 14, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth of all the spoils, his name, king of righteousness and king of peace. Verse 3 of of, uh, Hebrews 7 says, without father, without mother, without genealogy, talking about Melchizedek, because we don't know where it came from. Like, where did he come from? Who's his mother? Who's his father? We don't know what his genealogy is. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life, we don't know where he was born and when he died. But made like, it says, the son of God. He remains a priest forever. Now, some have assumed that Melchizedek was actually a pre-Old Testament appearance of Christ himself. 
which Christ did appear at times in the Old Testament. In fact, it was Gideon when he was raised up. We were talking about him earlier. It was pre-Jesus Christ that came and talked to him when he was hiding from the Midianites, when he was threshing his wheat in the wine press. And that was the Lord. But that's not the case here because we're told in Hebrews that he was like the Son of God, not him. But regardless, Abraham acknowledged him as a priest of God, as someone higher than himself, and even gave him a tenth of all that he had in verse 20. This is the first time we have a picture of giving financially in the Bible. We are instructed in the Bible to bring our tithe and our offerings into the house of the Lord. This is how God instituted the running of the church. This is how the priests were paid. This is how the building would be paid for. This is how the building would be maintained. How every aspect of ministry would be taken care of. Now in the Old Testament, when like Solomon built the temple, they literally coated the inside. The beams and everything were coated with gold. Well, we don't do that anymore because, well, we couldn't do that. What's gold selling for now? Like 1900 bucks an ounce? Okay, but we do have a lot of electricity and LED screens and lights, and that costs a lot of gold itself. But anyway, with all that said, all throughout the Bible, the principle, though, is laid out. But this is where the principle first started. It's laid out throughout the Bible, but the principle starts right here at this point where God used people to bring money in to actually do what he wants to have done in the house of God. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 